Welcome to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Today, my guest is a retired Navy SEAL. Chief Dan Luna is also the co-founder of 3LX Consulting. He has instructed at the Naval Academy, where he was voted by the class of 2017 to be an honorary graduate. He's earned a master's degree in leadership and a graduate certificate in leadership coaching from Georgetown University. Besides his full-time gig, Dan is currently in school for his doctorate in organizational change and leadership from the University of Southern California. Welcome, Chief Dan Luna. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on. Dan, tell me a little bit about your dissertation. Yeah, so I chose a doctorate of education at USC. And the reason why I chose education is there's a lot of psychologists out there that have worked with vets on trauma and healing and and moving through uh, emotional wounds. And what I noticed is that uh, there's not curriculum specific to pre-trauma. So PTSD prevention, if you will. So uh, I noticed this while I was working at the Naval Academy, coming off my combat tours, and it started to develop uh, about five or six years ago. And just over those past five or six years, I've I've dove into this idea of what I call pre-traumatic coaching. Uh, been building it out and implementing it in both my corporate clients and I work with uh, some military folks as well and law enforcement. I do a lot of law enforcement work. And so I wanted to formalize it uh, through research, not just uh, my own theories or how I think something should be. And uh, I've partnered with with a psychologist and just uh, it's such a big topic that I just continue to build alliances and try and get folks to partner with me to build out what I call uh pre-trauma curriculum. Now, this is this is great stuff. And the reason I'm asking about your dissertation is because what you're really telling us all is that uh, this area, pre-trauma, and what we're going to get into soon, pre-trauma inoculation, is uh, ha- has academic rigor behind it. Uh, and it's science in a sense. It's not just um, what I used to call touchy-feely stuff. It can be considered that, but there's real thought and rationality behind it. Oh, 100%. And it's a, it's a combination of, of things that I've seen in combat, uh, not only for myself, but just, you know, 15 years of combat, you see a lot. So taking that experience and, uh, instead of just making, making use of, of war stories and experience in an academic way, to help the next generation really navigate their path on the battlefield. So I'm, I'm going to ask the question, what is pre-trauma inoculation? And then I say this, and some of my listeners will have heard me say this many, many times. Midshipmen work out of the gym. They push weights. They get strong physically. They run long distances. So from a cardio standpoint, cardio and aerobically strong. But what we don't do all, all the time, maybe it's because of age or experience or inexperiences, is we don't condition ourselves or get ourselves as ready as we might need to be for the trauma we might experience in life, in combat, and other places. So, so what is pre-trauma inoculation? So I actually just wrote down what you said. And the way I wrote it down was teach, train, and testing. So each one of those are different. 
So first we, right, just uh, generally speaking in, in the framework that you shared with me. So, hey, I'm going to teach somebody how to lift. Granted, people can lift without knowing anything, um, but they'll lift better having some, some education. So we teach it. And now it's like, hey, I've learned how to do it. And now I can implement it into my own training program. So I'm going to take that thing and implement it into, you know, how I squat and I can squat, you know, at depth and properly and where my feet are placed. And then we can even do testing later on. Hey, we're going to test to see if you can meet minimum requirements or we can test to see who's the strongest. So now within that, in that framework that you just presented to me, it is now the same thing. We teach, we're very good at the physical. We're not so good at the non-physical. So uh, I can put a, a weapon into somebody's hand and say, hey, I'm going to teach you about this weapon. Hey, this is, you know, five, five, six. It's, you know, this many rounds per, per minute. And uh, this is the range that it has. And you can use these sites and this is how you adjust it. And then you go and train and you implement that new learning and you train with it. This is a different, this is how you move through a house. This is how you move through land. And then there might be some testing at the end of it. Hey, how do you move as an individual? How do you move as a team? So we do that in the physical realm. What we don't do so great is in the non-physical realm. So how we think about something, and I'm going to say something taboo here, how we feel about something, <laughs> right? Because we're, we're, it's, it's male heavy, military specific. So it's a male heavy organization. And so now with that, of, for us as men, it's what? It's a societal norm to not talk about our emotions. Or if we do, it's, it's done in a, um, for simplicity speak, a weak way. So now how can we navigate this space differently to really, to reduce trauma, you know, later on in life? Because when you talk about trauma, it's almost always an emotional wound. And so, and I've worked with SWAT teams and I, I set up, I love it when it's a, it's a group of men. And within the first few minutes, I'll frame the questions and, and then I'll pause and we're just right in the middle of, of the lecture and I'll pause. I'm like, hey, hey, fellas, what have we been talking about for the past six minutes? And somebody will catch on and be like, we've been talking about our emotions. And I was like, yeah, we've been talking about our emotions. And that's one of the issues. It, it just, hey, what is the framework in which we can think about something? And right behind a thought, there's a what? There's an emotion. And so now how do we process those emotions? And before we talk about trauma, we have to talk about stress, right? So for the specific listeners that, that may see combat, may never see combat, Either way, trauma is unique to every individual. And so how do you deal with stress? And that's a precursor to how you're going to deal with trauma. And so as you increase the pressure, what are your current habits around stress? And we can look at drinking and smoking and vaping and, you know, uh, risky behavior, you know, is a great psychology term that I love. Um, and we can look at these different coping mechanisms. And so as you look at those things, an individual can say like, well, this is how I deal with stress or I eat, right? I worked with a group at the Naval Academy and um, eating was a way for them to cope. And so it was an emotional mechanism 
that then they put on weight and then they weren't able to pass a test. And so people didn't understand that, hey, we have to work through the emotions in which they deal with stress, in which they view their environment and to work through that and then to help lift them, shift those behaviors to then where they can perform better on the track. And I'll, I'll pause there. So, so tell me this, where does pre-trauma fit on this continuum or spectrum with uh, resilience and grit and all these things we've heard over the last couple of years, a lot of, a lot of academic papers and books out on that. What is, what is pre-trauma relative to resilience and grit? Pre-trauma is basically being proactive. Right now, we are reactive to everything in the realm of trauma. And we try and give a class, and now this ties into resilience and grit. We try and give a class on resilience and grit, maybe before deployment, that is not, not enough time to change behaviors prior to stepping on the battlefield. So the ideal placement for this program, and that's why I'm doing this dissertation and looking to build curriculum, the ideal placement is in an education setting. And when does education happen? Right at the beginning. So if I have a firefighter going through his training at the very beginning in, in his academy or a police academy or a naval academy or any type of these, these schools, the f I am looking to build the pre-trauma framework. The specificity within the framework will shift depending on the organization. I use the same framework already for my corporate clients, right? When COVID hit. I started to work with all my corporate clients using this framework. So it is transferable framework. The specificity is different for the organization. And then the like how it's used is then different for the individual because everyone is different. So when it comes to grit and resilience, the distinction in academics, how resilience is looked at two things, and there's confusion in this word. And I've had a lot of, I won't say debates, I've had a lot of discussion over the use of resilience. And I blame academia for these two, the two usage of this word because it's confusing. So is resilient, does that mean I'm pushing through something and enduring or does that mean I'm pulling away and moving back to wholeness or to a state of equilibrium? So am I moving forward or am I moving backward? Am I moving through something or I'm moving away from something? And so I like to use resilience as moving away, relaxing, moving back to a place of aliveness because there's few words that describe that. For grit, Hey, I'm gritty. I'm hardy. I can endure. I can persevere. There's a lot of words that already describe that forward movement. So kind of my beef right now, and I get it because it's, it's used both ways. That's also an issue because it becomes confusing. So if I were to say, I'm going to give a class on resilience, does that mean I'm, I'm looking to be tougher? Or does, does that mean I'm looking to learn how to take care of myself? Let me ask you this, because you brought up a lot of very interesting points here. But do you need to have rounds coming inbound to have to deal with pre-trauma or resilience or grit? Or could you be a nurse in an emergency room? 
I love that you said that, and I didn't even set you up for this question. So I'm doing research right now specific to gender and pre-trauma, and the only research, because there's there's no research done, or very little, not that I've found, women in combat. So now what's the next thing? I have to look at women close to combat. Then those are in the, the care field. So nurses and medical practitioners. So that's mostly women. And so now looking at women, hey, is PTSD different for women or is it the same? And at what point is it different if it is different? So right now, the little bit of research that I've done shows that two to three combat deployments for somebody in that care position as a woman is more susceptible than men for PTSD and it takes them longer to recover from it. So women who are in those care roles are more susceptible and have a longer recovery. Chief Luna, a lot to talk about, and uh, let's take this to the next podcast also. I appreciate the time we spent today. Yes, sir. Thank you. You've been listening to the Stockdale Minute, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.